uh, Rabbi Robert and I had the privilege of being together for a Seder on uh, Passover. And the Seder marks the beginning of the religious Jewish calendar. And it is the day that we commemorate and remember Yeshua. That's the Jewish way to say Jesus, Jesus. the Hebrew way. Correct. Yeshua. Everybody say Yeshua. Yeshua. All right. Now, the Greek form of that name is Jesus. That's how we would say the name. But the Jews would say and do say Yeshua. Okay, so if you hear that, you know that's the name of Jesus. So, uh, Rabbi, we were together. We had a wonderful time on Passover. We remembered the original Passover, but we also were able to remember the Lamb of God who was given. Jesus is the fulfillment of the Passover. Yes. Tell us about the three spring feasts for, that God gave Israel. You have Passover, and then what happened on the rest of the weekend, and how did Jesus fulfill those feasts? Yes, yeah, so we began with Passover, and uh, we know that Jesus, Yeshua, became, he was the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And we also know that afterwards, three days, three nights, he was the first fruits. Some of you know this. So that's the fulfillment of that. And then also, um, we counted from Passover all the way to um, today, Shavuot or Pentecost, Pentecost meaning 50. And now we celebrate the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. But a lot of people actually don't know that it's also the time when Moses ascended Mount Sinai, received the Torah, or as some say the law, and Israel basically became married to the God of Israel. That was a, a wedding ceremony for those who may not know. So those, those things are interconnected. But the three feasts, um, are you speaking of the three that all the males had to... Well, uh, let's, let's start with just the spring feast. So okay. yeah. he, he died on Passover. He was yeah. buried on the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Mm -hmm. He rose again on the Feast of first fruits. He is the first fruits of the resurrection. Exactly. Guaranteeing the rest of the harvest. Right. From the time of the Feast of first fruits, uh, it is called the counting of the... Omer. Omer. And what does that mean? Like what happens in a, in a Jewish context where... How, does, how, how do you walk that out for us? So originally, and still today, it's agricultural. And that's, you know, the, the, the farmers had to count, and then there would be this harvest at the end. And then over the years, of course, there's a spiritual element that as we celebrate the Passover, which really is a time of, of getting rid of the leaven, which is the sin uh, that we tend to struggle with. And then Yeshua, Jesus, becomes that atonement to help us overcome. And so then the counting of the Omer becomes a, a preparation period where we're preparing our hearts to go back and revisit Sinai, our covenant with God. And not just that, but the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, which gives us the power to obey the law of the Torah. Amen. So it all just comes together so beautifully. Amen. So Last night when we were together, you had 10 children come up and read the 10 words, which we, we know is the 10 commandments. Right. And those were given by God. They are from the heart of God to God's people, the 10 words, the 10 laws. And we say we know them as Torah. Mm -hmm. So when we think about Torah, think about the word Torah or law, Torah, what would be a good basic definition of Torah? Instruction. 
So Torah's instruction. I've, I've done a little homework on the Hebrew picture language, and there, there's a root word or a connecting word that has the idea that Torah is to hit the mark. So Torah gives us instructions for living. It helps us know how to hit the bullseye or hit the mark. Now, you all know this, that sin means to miss the mark. Torah gives us the mark. We know what to shoot for. So let's park here for a second. So 15 in, you know, 1500 BC, God gave the law. Uh, he gave it you know, to Moses as that mediator to the people of Israel. And they were to protect that law, copy that law, and become really a light to the nations. That's right. That's so right. we think about Torah. It has shaped the Western world. And Rabbi, we were talking at the first service and on some other occasions that we as a nation, let's talk about the United States of America, that we're blessed to live in. We have moved away from those commands. And the implication of that moving away from those commands has caused nothing less than, I would call it, catastrophic chaos. I mean, you guys see it. It, it, I was telling you guys recently that it seems like every week something terrible is happening. Now it seems like it's every day. And our world, our country is in chaos. We have marriage confusion, gender confusion. I mean, we have gone so far away from God's moral standards. And you had joked that they're not the 10 suggestions. Right. They're, they're not. They're the 10 commandments. Commandments, Yes. But we have moved so far away, Rabbi. Now we really see our culture in chaos. You talked about how truth has really become relative now. It's like everybody's doing what's right in his own eyes, the end of the book of Judges, and that causes chaos. What's on your heart to share with us about the Torah and our nation and just what's happening right now? Right, so when we take something, we, in, in Judaism we call the Torah or the, the Bible, um, the law, we call it Etz Chaim. Can you say that? Etz Chaim. That means the tree of life. And every Saturday and even last night, we, we talked about how the tree of life is, is, is for those who grab hold of it. And then its ways are ways of pleasantness and all its paths are peace. How many believe that about God's word? Yeah. It's life. It's instruction for living. And I think that when we try to redefine and we try to change and we try to eliminate what I call God's chain of commandments, Instead of the chain of command, we, we get ourselves into a big mess, which is what Pastor Michael's talking about. <clears throat> and I've shared that basically, you know, the first four commandments are really uh, based on our uh, vertical relationship with God, to, uh, to know the Lord our God who, take, who took us out of Egypt, out of bondage, to not have any other gods before us, right? And then we go into um, not taking the Lord's name lightly and then to honoring a day that he has said, I set aside and you need a rest, right? We're an overworked society. So we neglect the very Sabbath rest that we need if we don't take time out like this. So unless we get that vertical command, the chain of command in, in alignment, what do you think happens to the other six commandments which are basically horizontal relationships, which talks about honoring your mother, your father, your mother, which talks about not murdering, not coveting. We could never get those things right if we're not in alignment with God. If he knows our heart, 
then we have this order in our lives that we're able to walk out these things. But we need the Holy Spirit Amen. to do these and we're gonna we're gonna talk about the power of the Holy Spirit, but Rabbi, I just wanna have us just think about the implication of moving away from prayer in public schools, the Ten Commandments. It has caused a society to not know how to anchor their lives. They don't know even what the bullseye is. It's right. been taken away. And Very once true. that happens, we descend into chaos. I'll give you a quick example. Yesterday I taught our men's breakfast the book of Second Kings. Uh, in the in the following Solomon, the uh, Jewish state, if you will, split into a northern and a southern kingdom. All the kings in the northern kingdom were really wicked. I think it was twenty seven or twenty nine kings. You remember the exact number? It was one too many. One too many. <laughs> bad king after bad king after bad king. And I'll tell you a quick story. So there was a king named Ahaziah. He was the son of Ahab. Now, Ahab was married to Jezebel, and Jezebel was an idol worshiper, and Ahab built a temple to Baal in Samaria, which was the capital of of the northern kingdom of Israel, or the northern place. And so Ahab, one day, the king, he was king for two years, was leaning on some lattice in his house. This is 2 Kings chapter 1, and it gave way, and he fell. He probably fell a story down. And he was injured severely, mortally. So he found himself in bed and he called some messengers together. And he said, go inquire of the God of Ekron, Baal, in Philistine territory, whether or not I will recover. So the messengers were sent off and there was already a temple for Baal in Samaria. Why he wanted them to go to Ekron some 40 miles away, we don't know. But he was silly and desperate And Elijah the prophet intercepted these messengers, and he had a message of his own given to him by the angel of the Lord, and he said these words. Is it because there is no God in Israel that you've gone to inquire of the God Baal and Ekron? Here's the message. You are not going to recover. You shall surely die. Does that sound familiar to any of you? That's what God said to Adam in Genesis chapter 2. In the day that you eat thereof, you will surely die. Well, the, the king was a fool. And so he sent soldiers to confront the prophet Elijah, who was sitting on top of Mount Carmel. And they said, come down. They wanted to, ta- they wanted to take him captive. They wanted to make him a prisoner. Come down, man of God, I think sarcastically. And Elijah said, if I'm a man of God, let fire come down from heaven and consume you and your 50 And guess what? Fire came down from heaven. And here's the point, brethren. Ahab, Ahaziah's father, saw the contest on that same Mount Carmel. The God that answered by fire is God. How long will you waver between two opinions? If God is God, worship him. If Baal is God, worship him. The people answered him not a word. But it was crystal clear in Israel who God was. No excuse for Ahaziah. No excuse for his idolatry. But Rabbi, you said something very important. When we get away from the true and living God and we go over to idol worship, I heard Dr. Woodhouse say that 2 Kings 1 is the Romans 1 of the Old Testament. God gives us over. He gave them over. And the wrath of God was revealed in consuming those soldiers with fire because the king led the nation astray. 
He didn't have this right, so how could he have this right? And indeed, the word of the Lord came to pass, and Ahaziah perished. He died. We have moved away, and I'm not talking about all of us, but our nation has moved away from that foundation. Where else will we go? To Baal? To a false god who can't answer, can't deliver, can't do anything. So what we see now is callousness of heart. We see these young people going into places unimaginable and committing atrocities. And we're like, where's their conscience? Where's their soul? Something is happening. And I hope and pray that God has our attention as a nation. Because when you kick God out, this is what you get, brethren. That's right. And it's going to get uglier. But I will tell you, another captain in his 50 got fried. <laughs> it wasn't pretty. But a third captain came, and he came with the answer. He said, oh, man of God, I know what you've done to the previous two captains and their 50. <laughs> Would you have mercy on me? And the Lord had mercy on that captain. The answer to all that ails us, as much as it gets mocked in our culture, is repentance. We need to return to the living God. Israel is our example. And you can clap for that, because we do need to. Amen. Israel is our example. Every time they moved away from God into idolatry, God gave them over. They got disciplined. They got judged. And then, thankfully, they returned to the Lord. And we need to do the same. We need to return to our God. So you talked about the giving of Torah, but you talked about the help of the Holy Spirit. We're in Acts chapter 2. Look at verse 1. When the day of Pentecost had come, that's the Greek word for the feast. They were all together in one place. Now, this is probably the 120 believers who were in the upper room. They had been praying together in Acts chapter 1. And they were all together. And the Lord did something very special on the day of Pentecost. Now, let me just give you a little bit of the math for a second. If you go back to Acts 1 verse 1. Luke writes the book of Acts, and he says, The first account I composed, Theophilus, about all that Jesus began to do and teach, Acts 1-2, until the day when he was taken up to heaven, when he had by the Holy Spirit given orders to the apostles whom he had chosen. To these he also presented himself alive, Jesus, after his suffering by many convincing proofs, appearing over a period of 40 days, and speaking of the things concerning the kingdom of God. So here's what happened. After Jesus made those original resurrection appearances recorded in the gospel, Sunday morning, Sunday evening, etc., he then appeared over, he appeared over a period of 40 days after the resurrection with many infallible proofs. He kept presenting himself alive, kept talking to his followers about the kingdom of God. 40 days goes by, and then they're told to tarry in the city and wait for the promise of my father. An endowment from heaven was coming. Guess how long they waited? After the 40, guess how long they waited? 10 more days. And that's the Pentecost is 50. That's the counting of the Omer, 50 days. And then something amazing happened. The Holy Spirit came down on the early church. Let's just read it and then Rabbi, I'm going to come back to you. So back in Acts chapter 2, Look at what happened. Suddenly, Acts 2-2, there came from heaven, I got to put it in the lighter, I can't see it. <laughs> Suddenly, there came from heaven a noise, we're good, like a violent rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. 
And there appeared to them tongues of fire, distributing themselves, and they rested on each one of them. And they were all, these early believers, these first fruits, were filled with the Holy Spirit, and notice, began to speak with other languages or tongues as the Spirit was giving them utterance. Now, Rabbi, all of a sudden, we fast forward to the early church, and on this same day, the Torah was given, a great provision of God, the law. Now, the Holy Spirit comes, and there's some sight and sound phenomenon going on. Tell us the connection back to Sinai and what that all means. So, really, there, if you've read uh, through the scriptures, when uh, the Torah was being revealed to Moses to give to the children of Israel, it was a, a, a very earth-shattering or shaking moment, and it even had a sense of fire to it. It speaks of that. And, uh, and as I said earlier, that's why they were the children of Israel, like Moses, you go ahead, you go ahead and you deal with us, you know, with our God, and uh, we'll just stay back here. You and, talk to him first. <laughs> yeah, you talk to him first. So there's, this was something incredible. So there was fire on Sinai that transferred years later to the fire on the same day of Shavuot that became in a permanent fire that now is the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And we're to take that fire to this world. And I just wanted to share something going back to what Pastor Michael was saying. Listen, unfortunately, we have allowed the culture to change the church, but it was the church that was supposed to change the culture. And we need to take it back and we need to allow the fire of God within us as we are believers and followers of Messiah Yeshua, of Jesus, to do this work. We need the help of the Spirit, but we also need to do the work of the Spirit. Amen. It's not just all talk. Amen. So, Amen. Yeah. And so here's what happens. There's this, the sound of a violent rushing wind occurs, uh, taking us back, remembering Sinai. But then something phenomenal like tongues of fire appear over each of their heads. And I've asked the question when I've studied this in the past, why like a tongue of fire? What does that mean? Well, they, brethren, were given the ability to speak with other tongues, we know with other languages, but for a specific reason. Because Pentecost or Shavuot was one of three major feasts. And Rabbi, what happened on these three major feasts? What was the call to the people of Israel? Well, ma mainly for the Jewish males were to ascend to go to Jerusalem, and they were called to go to Jerusalem to bring forth their offerings and to bring forth their praise and honor to the God of Israel. And uh, so, yeah, there was so, Passover. Yeah. There was um, Shavuot, which or is Pentecost. here, Pentecost, and also Sukkot, which is the Feast of Tabernacles, which we celebrated last year. So Passover, Pentecost, and Tabernacles. That's Basically, right. to think about it, spring, summer, and fall, all able-bodied males, no matter what land you lived in outside of Israel, you were to descend or ascend up to Jerusalem from wherever you were. And of course, this included families as well. And to worship the king, celebrate the festival. That's why when these people are endowed with the power of the Holy Spirit and Peter specifically, remember, he was afraid of a little servant girl by the fire. Now, filled with the Holy Spirit, he goes into the streets of Jerusalem and he begins to preach the gospel by the power of the Holy Spirit. He's become bold as a lion. And without so much as a megaphone, brethren, Peter preached the gospel and 3,000 people got saved that day. A, yeah, let's clap for it. A harvest of souls on a feast harvest day 
came into the kingdom of God. And you know what they were? They were all Jewish. But they had all come from all these different lands to honor the king. And they heard the rushing wind. They, they saw what was going on. And, they, and their conclusion was, have they got, these guys been drinking? It's only 9 o'clock in the morning. And Peter's like, no, no, no. They, they haven't been drinking. This is what the prophet Joel said was going to occur. And 3,000 souls, a great harvest, came into the kingdom of God, were baptized in the very city where Jesus was crucified and resurrected. Brethren, if there was a body to be produced, that would be the time for the religious leadership to say, I don't know what you're doing. He's dead. Here's his body. But he was alive. He had presented himself alive. Amen? And Peter preached life. And the early church was all Jewish. All these people from different lands. This is how it all began on the day of Pentecost, by the power of the Holy Spirit. And that same power, Rabbi, you're telling us lives in me and lives in all of us who are believers? Absolutely. And we have the endowment to preach the gospel. We do. In our own strength, we know we can't do it. But we can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. Amen. Do you see it, brethren? Amen. Praise the Lord. God's great provision... The law, so we know what we're even aiming for. He who aims at nothing is bound to hit it. Right? That's right. Then we have the provision of Messiah to rescue us from our sins. He fulfills the law and then lays down his life as the the Lamb of God. Rabbi, uh, when you think about Jesus fulfilling the law and then laying down his life, what would you want to share with us about just what should we hold on to there? So we know that um, the way things used to go, the old temple, the sacrificial system, how many of you know there were two temples, they both were destroyed. You know, this is historical. And, uh, and what happens when you have no temple? You have no more sacrifices. And how long has it been? About almost 2,000 2, plus years. So we have to know one thing, that either God abandoned Israel and left them with nothing, or God fulfilled something that was so significant, and that I believe he did through his son Yeshua, through Jesus, Amen. the Lamb of God. So you, you, are, you, you and your dad are both rabbis. Your dad's amazing. Yes. Uh, how yes. old is he now? He's 96. He'll be 97 in October. Man, he's yeah. got amazing energy. Yeah. There's, a, there's a fire in your dad's eye that's I'll be pretty... 20 next month. <laughs> <laughs> So, you lead a Messianic Jewish congregation. Explain to us what that means. So, we're Jews, and I was just speaking to someone earlier. We're, uh, we're Jew and Gentile, one a Messiah. That's our congregation. So, we're not all Jewish. We're basically like a first century expression of what the early congregation was, the early church. Uh, but even though uh, at Beth Shalom, it's primarily led in, uh, by two rabbis. And so we still identify as Jews, and we still hold to the covenants that God gave us as a Jewish people. You know, like I said, I'm a converted sinner, not a converted Jew, because I'm still who I am as a Jew. That's who God made me. But I now am able to take uh, the fulfillment as a Jewish person, as a Jewish rabbi, to my own people who are still searching. By the way, that's the, the big thing that we need to understand, too, is that we need to pray for the salvation of the Jews that still are looking for a Messiah. Yes. You know, that's one of the biggest callings for us 
as a Messianic Jewish community, to reach our people, they're the toughest ones. Because that's why they're called stubborn of heart, you know? <laughs> you know, but not just that, but we're also called to do what we're, the very thing we're doing here today, which is to be a bridge to yes. the church, bringing back and restoring the roots of the Christian faith, the Judeo-Christian roots, which is amazing. What we're doing today is just amazing to me. We, you know, here, here we have... I think a lot of jokes could start this way. A Jewish rabbi and Italian pastor <laughs> walk, into, walk into a sandwich shop. <laughs> so, Rabbi, what you're saying, you know, people are watching us right now, and they may watch this later. We have several visitors today. To understand what Jesus means, who he is, is he's Messiah who fulfilled the imagery of the Old Testament sacrifices, the Lamb of God, Isaiah 53, Psalm 22. He lived the perfect life that we could never live, then died on that terrible cross as if he had committed all of our sins, was treated on the cross. He experienced the fiery wrath of God, if you will, felt abandoned, felt forsaken, all for love, all because the Father so loved this world that he made, that he sent his only Son. Yeshua, Amen. to save us. His name means Yahweh saves. That, that's an amazing provision. We think about the law. We think about the Messiah. And now Jesus said, and you, you quoted this in the first service, it's to your advantage that I go away. The apostles were so confused. Where are you going? It, felt, it feels like we just got going. Where are you going? And Jesus said, it's to your advantage that I go away because I'm going to send you another helper. So let's talk about the Spirit. So here we are, you know, we're, uh, we're a group of believers. We all want to live for the Lord. We all want to hit the mark. But, it, but we find it difficult, and we wrestle with the flesh. And Paul even said in Romans 7, when he realized the depth of the law, oh, wretched man that I am, the law that was supposed to give me life proved to be death to me. Not because the law is not good, but because I can't do it in my flesh. But now we have a helper. This is so cool. God loves us so much. He gave instructions for a temple to dwell among his people. The people blew it, just like we all have sinned. Jesus came to tabernacle among us and show us the heart of the Father. And now he sends the Holy Spirit because he wants to be so close to us that now he lives in us. We are now his temple. Can you just... Just let that sink down for a minute. We are his temple. He wants to be so close to you. He made you his home. He wants to dwell with you, in you, give you hope, give you strength. That is our God. But I, I hear the hearts of some people saying, okay, I've heard this before. I've heard about the Messiah. I've heard about the Holy Spirit coming on the day of Pentecost. Help! <laughs> how do I experience this power in my life? How do, I, how do I walk it out? What would you say? Didn't Paul say, I die daily? So every day, there's a sense that we need to die to the flesh. And if we die to the flesh, then that means that we have to live in the Spirit and walk in the Spirit. And if we don't have that hope of the Spirit then we're not going to hit the mark. 
We're not going to be able to fulfill the Torah. We're not going to be able to walk out the statutes that God gave us. And they're all for our protection. They're not like a, um, a sense of admonition. It's a sense of instruction. I want you to live. And if you listen to what I tell you to do, you'll have life. That's why we call it a tree of life. So I think it's about this daily dying to the flesh and yielding to the spirit daily so that we could walk this out and we could change the world. And Romans 8, 4 says we can fulfill the righteous, the righteous requirements of the law by the spirit. That's correct. Now, this is, there's a difference between um, the crucifying the flesh, and we need to do that, but by, by being, I'm talking about ontology here, as a Christian, in your very being, the Holy Spirit already lives inside of you. That's a fact. So now your job is you don't have to keep inviting the Holy Spirit back inside of you. You need to be kept being filled with the Holy Spirit and learn how to walk in the Spirit. And there's a key word, and the word is surrender. We have to learn how to surrender to his lordship. So you had talked uh, in the first service about some of the things that will help us in that, which one is the word of God. So we, we both admitted at first service that social media, as much as it is a, blessing. it can be a blessing, but it's also a blight. It keeps a lot of people away from their Bibles. If I asked you guys right now, how many of you, when Sunday service is over, put your Bible somewhere and forget about it until the following Sunday? You don't have to raise your hand, although confession is good for the soul. <laughs> if you do that, you know, the Word of God is your spiritual nourishment. How in the world do you think you're going to take the onslaught of this world if you're not feeding on the Word of God? You just can't do it. Man cannot live on bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. But I hear your heart, because I'm in the same world, and we don't walk on water, right, Rabbi? I haven't seen you do it yet. Okay, so we have the same struggle. So how does somebody practically get into their Bible regularly? What would you recommend? I think what you said is pretty profound. I, if, if we're not in the Word and the Word is not in us, then how are we going to be able to fulfill what King David said is, your Word have I hid in my heart that I might not, what, sin against you, right? So if we don't read it, we can't hide it. And if we're not hiding it, then we can't live it. And if we're not reading it, then we don't know it. So we need to be connected, and that's why I go back to the whole um, understanding. It is a tree of life to those who grab hold of it. So grab hold of it. Hey, you could use your phones as well for the Bible app, but it's very tempting to kind of swipe up and then go to Instagram, right? Or wherever, wherever you want to go. You're on Instagram, Rabbi? I am. I'm, yeah. I didn't know rabbis did I'm that. well known. And <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll, quick confession. My daughter actually made my Instagram. She's like... Dad. Are you saying it's her fault? It is. (laughs) She said, I want you to connect with me. So I said, okay, Uh, so all my sin, I blame on you. Rabbi, that's that's blame shifting, Rabbi. (laughs) No. So uh, I need my daughter's help as well as my wife. So practically speaking, here's something that I would recommend to you. What's today? What's the date on the calendar today? June what? It's the 5th. Okay. So tomorrow will be the 6th. So here's something that I do. On the 6th of June, I will often read the psalm that matches that day for my own personal devotions and the proverb that matches that day. Sometimes if I've done that for a while, and I do read through and study through books of the Bible, as you all know, 
But sometimes what I do is, if it's the 6th of June, I'll read Genesis 6 or Exodus 6. Or I just go, that just helps me keep it simple. Some of you are doing the annual Bible reading plans. That's great. You know, the Word of God is available to you to eat whenever you want it. Did you hear that? Whenever you want it. So that's the question. Now, to keep it simple, maybe this is the first step that you could take. Tomorrow, instead of the first thing you go to is your phone, and I know how tempting that is. We all, you have alarms on the phone and all that stuff. How about you just put the phone aside and you go to your Bible and read Psalm 6 tomorrow and Proverbs 6 and get going in that direction. Hey, if you do it three days during the week instead of zero, you're making progress. I had a brother in the Lord years ago ask me when, the, when our family was younger, Pastor Michael, how do you do family devotions? And I, and I said, what do you mean? He goes, how do you do it? Like, give me the mechanics of it. What do you do? And when the boys were small, we would do it around the dinner table. And duct tape uh, does help the kids stay in place. Very good. Now, tape. here's what we did. The boys needed to eat every 15 minutes when they were growing up. So we ate first. And then we shared a little family devotion. Now, of course, as a pastor, I usually had something to share. But if you read the Psalms in the morning, you could share that with them. Maybe you heard a sermon during the week. Just open up the Word. Make it short. It could be like 10 minutes. Give them one principle to hold on to. Dads, ask your kids questions like, hey, what's going on at school? Are you wrestling with anything? The Bible has answers for how to deal with bullies and how to be a compassionate friend and how to love people. You know, the law, the Torah is all about love. And so the word of God will help, but you got to take a step toward it because the Holy Spirit obviously breathes out the word and breathes it into us. You, you talked about a second thing, which is prayer. And I know these are the basics, but this is where we, where we got to go back to. You talked about working out. Now, you do have some biceps, Rabbi. Um, I'll send him money in the mail. That's what and, he's trying to get at right and now. And there's a rumor. <laughs> there's a rumor that you were up at a youth camp. Yeah. And on your own, yeah. against the entire youth group, Not you the won the tug group. of war. The, the, the standing, you know, the, the one who was, he held the title at the time. He held I, the title. I took it away. And the rabbi. Yes. You beat him. The gray-haired rabbi, yeah. you know. So this was a long time ago, or was it was it? last year? <laughs> I heard your hair was longer back then. Is that true? No, it wasn't. You didn't have she Samson. won't let me grow. No, no Samson, no Samson hair. No. Okay, so let's use the yeah. the workout analogy. Yeah. Uh, when you start working out, you you can't run a marathon on day one, right? Right. You got to start small. Correct. What would you encourage us about? Bible reading, prayer, worship, things like that. So we begin with what it says: Give us this day our daily bread. Amen? Amen? So listen, I, I always tell the synagogue where I teach, I tell the people, you're, this Saturday morning, the Saturday morning uh, Shabbat service, just like this Sunday morning, is a supplement. Can you just live off of supplements? No, because you need that daily bread. You need that daily nutrition. And who's responsible for that? You are. Because if you truly are a follower, then you need to be learning to feed yourself, just like we feed our bodies, right? And if we don't feed, what happens? We get hungry, we get cranky, and we get kind of disgruntled. And I feel the same thing happens spiritually. If we're not feeding and, and nourishing our souls and, and, and connecting with God, we're, we're disgruntled, unhappy people. You know, I think it was, uh, I forgot the pastor, he says, God is most uh, glorified when we are most satisfied in Him. 
and we need to be satisfied in Him. But we will never find satisfaction in the Lord if we're not taking time to be with Him. And I tell this to a lot of people. Uh, there's all kinds of different prayer. There's liturgical prayer, which I do. There's just talking to God prayer. There's driving in the car prayer where people think that you're crazy because you're talking to yourself. And then there's, you know, just spending time in the Word, hiding it in your heart. And you can never get away from those basics. I think those are the things that help us, you know, become the, the, the victors that we are in Messiah. Yes. And you and I are getting to know each other better. Absolutely. And the reason that we're getting to know each other better is because we've shared some time, yeah. we've shared our hearts, we, we're yeah. kind of getting to know one another's sense of humor, perspective, right. stuff like that. The only way intimacy in a relationship can happen is time. Exactly. There has to be a time investment. Right. Now, it doesn't have to be hours and hours every day, but there has to be a time investment. Absolutely. We, we've been studying the tabernacle on Wednesday nights, and we have a wonderful young man teaching uh, us through the furniture in the tabernacle. His name is David Moo. And he highlighted the table of showbread this last Wednesday. The table of showbread has 12 pieces of bread on it, representing the 12 tribes. And it looks like a dining room table. And David pointed out that the Lord wants to dine with us. He wants to spend time with us. When you have a meal with someone, you know, the level of intimacy in that relationship goes a little bit deeper when you spend time around a table. That's right. The Lord wants to dine with us and he, or us dine with him and he with us. He wants us to be close. And so many things are blockades and obstacles to that closeness, not just with the Lord, but even in human relationships. And so we need to get rid of some obstacles so we can be closer with our Lord. That's, That's what right. he wants. That's and right. it's so beautiful yeah. that he wants to dine with us. Rabbi, uh, before we, we uh, enjoy the Lord's Supper, let me, let me have you just close this time on, you know, walking by the Spirit. What, what else would you say? I don't know. I just sense that we, um, we need to be intentional. You know, if we're not intentional, then something is going to distract us. And I think that that's going to be a very crucial aspect of us walking out this life However many days God gives us on this earth, we need to be so intentional with him. And we need to just walk with him and make time with him, just like you were saying, Pastor, like with, your, with our wives, our spouses, our, our children, our community. That is what's really important to, to walk it out. And we walk it out by faith, and we walk it out by the Spirit, and we take it day by day. You know, tomorrow isn't guaranteed. You know, in a day that we live in, in this kind of a crazy culture, I call it contemporary confusion, it's, it's, it's just crazy. But I don't think we have to live in fear, though. I think we live in, by faith. And so we live by faith. And whether tomorrow's our last day, we want to be able to hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant. And we need to maximize the gift that God's given us and the life that he's given us. Amen. He gave us life so that we would have life and eternal life. So Amen. we have it. We have it all. He, invi and he invites us to the table. Come to my table. Right. Find refreshment. Find life in me. Right. Praise the Lord. Well, we have one of our small groups at Living Truth. And if you didn't know, we have several small groups that meet, home fellowships that meet in different homes. And one of them is the FICA Home Fellowship. And they are handing out the communion elements. Uh, and they're going to start doing that right now. And we're going to talk a little bit about us coming to the table of the Lord and dining at his table. Now, we're a fellowship that enjoys the Lord's Supper once a month. Some congregations do it weekly. 
Rabbi, I had asked you uh, earlier about how often you guys enjoy the Lord's Supper, and you told me it's on a few special occasions for you guys. Tell us about that. Yeah, uh, um, t- you'll be so surprised. We do it on two holy days. We do it on Passover because of the uh, sacrifice of our Messiah. We find that very significant. And then there's the fall holidays, which is uh, the Day of Atonement, which is called Yom Kippur. So the atonement. So those two are so significant to us as a, as a people because it, it represents the shed, the shed blood and atonement. And it reminds us of the very thing that Yeshua did for us. He died for us. And he gave us life. So it's a very intimate time when we do the, um, we call it the Shulchan Adonai, the table of the Lord. Um, We gather around and we remember this. And as I told Pastor, if you read the the passage, I don't know if you have it in Corinthians, but this is warfare. We are declaring something in the heavenlies that's shaking the kingdom of darkness. When we come together united in Messiah, united in Jesus, and we're remembering what he did for us, we're shaking the kingdom of darkness. I don't know if you've ever understood that, but that's what we're doing, and we need to really, that's why it's such a holy thing. And when we could shake the kingdom of darkness, that's where things start to happen. And we are doing something, we are reflecting back on what Yeshua did, but we are also looking forward to the fact that he's coming again in power and great glory. And so this is a celebration. We invite you to the Lord's table. But I do want to say something to you. If you've never received Jesus as your Savior, he is a prayer away. And to honor these elements means that he needs to be in your life. Won't you ask him in right now? It's something this simple yet this profound. Oh, Lord Jesus, Yeshua. I believe that you are the Messiah. I believe that you came on a rescue mission to save me. Thank you that you fulfilled the law and you hit the mark where I have failed over and over again. Thank you that you took the wrath of Almighty God in my place as though you had committed my sins. You bore my burdens at that cross. You took my punishment at that cross. You bore my shame Thank you, Lord, because by your finished work, pray it if it's you, I believe that I am forgiven. I ask you to be my shepherd, my Lord, my Savior, my King. I repent of my sin. I'm sorry for trying to live life without you and apart from you. Be my Lord. Come into my life. Let me be born again of your Holy Spirit. Make me your child and teach me how to follow you all the days of my life. I ask that in the mighty name of Jesus. And if you're backslidden, the Lord will give you a prayer, but come home. Come back to your faithful Savior. You may be confused right now. The world's a confusing place, but Jesus is sure. His promise, his truth is the anchor of our souls in a stormy world. Come home if you've walked away. He will receive you back. He will heal your backslidings. He will set your feet upon solid ground. Thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness. Thank you, Lord. Well, Rabbi, when we think about the matzah, we know it's pierced and it's got burn marks on it. And it reminds us 
that Jesus was pierced through for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. By his stripes, we are healed. All of us, like sheep, we've all gone astray. Every one of us has turned to his own way. And the Lord laid on Yeshua the iniquity of us all. Well, on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Thank you, Lord. Rabbi, would you lead us in the cup? Yes. Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who brings forth the fruit of the vine. And when Yeshua gathered on that last Passover, that prayer was spoken, and he said, this, is, this signifies my blood. This is a reminder to you that you would drink and take of it and continue to proclaim my death until I return again. Do this in remembrance of me. Rabbi, you had talked about how Jesus said he had longed to enjoy that Passover with his disciples before he suffered. And he longs to be close to us, which just is so humbling and amazing that he wants to be close to me and me to him. And as we've just taken uh, the elements of communion, I pray that our souls have been nourished afresh. Amen? Amen? That we drew a little bit closer to the one who's loved us with an everlasting love. Drawn us with loving kindness. Amen? Amen. He is good. So, Rabbi, I'm going to ask you, if you would give us, maybe you could give us the numbers blessing would you do it in Hebrew for us? Of course, and I want you to receive this blessing. And then we're going to do one more thing. I'm going to ask you to pray for one another in just a moment. But let's have Rabbi pray the blessing over us. Which, yeah. It's generally, when, I, um, when we do this, uh, you know, if you have your family, you could just wrap your arms around them. And we're all family, so even if someone next to you doesn't mind an arm around you, uh, it's time to just come together for this beautiful pleasing. And before you, you do that, Rabbi, would you make sure that there's no one alone? Mm. That there's no one who doesn't have a hand on their shoulder? <laughs> let's, take, let's take a few minutes to make sure there is no one standing alone. I just want to make sure. The Lord said to Moses, speak to Aaron and his sons and tell them that this is how you are to bless the people of Israel. You are to say to them, Shalom. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and show you his favor. And may the Lord lift up his face towards you and give you his shalom.
In Jesus' name we pray, amen. 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 Lord, Lord, fill your people afresh. Keep your hand on that shoulder just for one more second. Lord, fill your people afresh with your Holy Spirit. Would you pour out a blessing that we cannot contain? Fill us with rivers of living water. You command us to keep being filled with the Holy Spirit. And though he lives in us, we know we can experience more of his power. Thank you, Lord, for the fruits that will follow. Love and joy and peace and all the fruits. Fill us, Lord, to overflowing. Fill us with hope. Fill us with fresh hope. Fresh life from the Spirit. Let this week just simply be an overflow from what we've experienced in your presence. We love you. In Yeshua's Jesus' mighty name and all God's people said. Amen. Amen. We've got one more song, so stay standing. God bless you.